Welcome to the Stripped Down Know Nothing Podcast, focusing on the bare naked ladies. That's right, whether they cause delight or offense, from boomerang to invisible fence, we're It's All Been Done, the podcast. Forever imbued with all this boredom, it's my co-host Evan. Frankly, I'd be out the door if he hadn't sold my bike. It's my co-host Saker. I'm sorry about that, buddy. I needed the cash. You needed that a sweet l- infusion of cash. That sweet, sweet infusion. Were do you, you, a- do you own a bike? I do. I own a bike, yeah. and uh, my partner owns a bike, and we used to ride bikes a lot until we had a baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ridden a bike in ten years, fifteen really? years. Really? I rode them. I wait. I had them in undergrad because I used them to ride around campus a lot. Yeah. But then, like, you know, once I was off campus, there was really no point to have a bike, and they were just sure. took up so much space. Yeah, we so. have a, like a hook in the garage. They don't take up any space. They're hanging on the wall. Um, well, this was back when I was apartmenting, apartmenting and then sure. uh, then I just haven't bought another bike since then. That's problematic. Yeah, you live way out in the no. Like, uh, my partner and I can bike up to. There's a Barnes and Noble not far from us with a little coffee shop. So it used to be that we would bike up there, sit down, read with the coffee for a little while, then bike back, and it was a good time. But you live out in the the true suburbs. There's nowhere you can even bike to. That's a fun sit down store. I can bike to a lot of places. It's just um, I don't live in the suburbs per se. I'm in the belt, so I. The, the streets that are outside my house are not safe to ride bikes on because they're city streets. Yes, right? that's Especially true. like the intersection just down from my house has the most accidents of anywhere in the city. Is that period. true? Most de- fatal accidents. Most accidents, most fatal accidents. Yep, Cleveland and Morse. Wow. And people drive like mad folk here in this little neighborhood of mine. You're giving, uh, you're giving people some clues as to where you live. So listeners, if you're listening... Evan is in Columbus, we know that, somewhere near the intersection of Cleveland and Morse. So just keep an eye out. If you stock that area, uh, you'll be able to find... And I believe you've mentioned the name of your little village before even, haven't you? Why do we even... Why do you even pretend like this is a thing? Like, anyone who took... Anyone with... Just, just a modicum. Anyone... anyone Gen Xer or, or Xennial with, like, a modicum of internet savvy or any millennial... Yeah. could easily find me in 20 seconds on it's google true. anyone with a digital childhood could to just true. like plug it plug that little plug that little jack into the back of their head and then yeah. they're ready to go they're ready to yeah. figure figure out exactly where i live i just google it up evan dickin ohio state university columbus ohio somewhere near morse and it gives me your social security number well you can look up you could probably look up my like house on the yeah. um franklin county housing records sure sure absolutely uh i'm sure that's not a problem. I will do yeah, that later today. <laughs> Please do. Please do, bud. Um, you have a beautiful house. I'm very... I love your house. I know. Uh, you got a steel deal for your house. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful house right next to a lake, um, and it's a gorgeous little backyard, and you stole it from an old woman who... I didn't steal it. <laughs> she was a rich old mad woman. Uh-huh. Like, we're talking like a Miss Haversham like, situation. Right. And uh, yeah, she... Uh, for some reason decided to put the house up to auction and she had one of her friends do it and her friend was bad at it <laughs> so the house never went to auction we just kept we made an offer and we kept upping the offer and that was back in god we, my partner and i were just talking about how lucky we were I mean, this is great pod by the way like it house hunting information uh how lucky we were because we bought we've been saving up for a long time we bought the house like ju- in the midst of the of the housing crisis so prices were like bottomed out so we got a good deal on everything and uh, uh we got the house for way less than it was worth and uh 
Oh, man. You are so lucky. What a joy. I love, that's a fun, a true story that I think we can all relate to is my partner and I had put a bid in during the housing crash, and we were so lucky to get a house right on the lake for such a cheap price from a mad woman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we couldn't. Yeah, it's a very relatable story. We couldn't have afforded it otherwise, that's for sure. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's lucky because you got the you got those woods and you're a woodsy boy and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like right. to go out naked and kneel down and pour like a pitcher of cream out there for the tomta and the other forest spirits. Well, you know, it's funny because I you live right next to a forest. The other day when I was over, I um had to pee and uh, obviously COVID times. You didn't want me to go in your house, which totally makes sense. So I peed out in the woods. And man, what a nostalgic feeling it is to pee mm-hmm. in the woods. Um, I haven't done that in probably years. Uh, yeah, there's just that... something there's something primal about it, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, I had friends over the other night. We were doing a little socially distance hangout in my backyard. And they said they had to go to the bathroom. And I was thinking, they should just pee in my backyard. But it's not nearly, <laughs> not nearly as private or as... It's very creepy to have someone. Yeah, you don't want to be able care. to like hear the splash of urine hitting the <laughs> ground. Like that's again. Remember, I'm a um, I'm a no shared shared bathroom kind of guy. Oh, that's right. Oh, I so forgot. like, yeah, if my partner is peeing anywhere, I have to like go away into the other side of the house. Yeah, that's not, so not because I'm grossed out, but because I want to give them like privacy. Yeah, but it's like I mean, they didn't ask me to. That's just something. That's just a service I provide. Yeah, I guess so. Well, have you ever asked him if he wants you there? No. Maybe. That's okay. not really something I really care about. Okay. <laughs> like, again, it's all about, I mean, being in a partnership is about becoming, you know, coming closer to your partner's needs and sort of beating your self around the armature of your shared existence. Right. Like, but at the same time, there are certain things that I don't really care to explore. Sure. Yeah, so, I, I just always like to check in whenever my If my, my partner were to make an issue of it, being like, hey, why do you always leave when I pee? I would be like, because it makes me uncomfortable and I sure. don't like to hear it. Sure. And I want to give you privacy. And he would say, oh, but I really like you to hear it. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay, well, this will be a thing we have to discuss. <laughs> Whenever my partner is doing literally anything, I have to ask, like, do you want me here? Do you please assure me that you want me here? Tell me what you need. What do you need from me right now? Um, and uh, the divorce proceedings are almost finalized. Like, we're right there, right, <laughs> right at the edge. So it's very exciting. Constant I'm, reassurance. Speaking of divorce proceedings, Ev, let's talk why about... Say, why, not, why don't we just not say anything at all? Now this is good, Pa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this week's song is called Why Say Anything Nice? And if you've never heard it before, here is a quick sample. shoes on if you didn't come to dance frankly i'd be on my own if i thought i'd stand a chance ebo why say anything nice um this is it terrifyingly this is it this is our last steve song this is a bye bye steve bye 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 i am i like listening to this song i legitimately got just a little bit sad that we would no longer have stevie p in our lives and it made me it made me not like this song more because i'm like this this is the last song i get to hear steve on (laughs) and it's a perfectly serviceable song like it's not I, i wouldn't call this a bad song it's somewhere like the lower middle of the bnl 
oeuvre for me at the moment, but okay. like, I wanted more. I wanted well, more from Steve's last hurrah. That's I mean, funny. Obviously, he didn't know it. Sure. I feel like it pushed me in the opposite direction. I feel like because this was Steve's last song, I was like, Ooh, you got I got nostalgic. It. Yeah, I got to enjoy it. Like, this is gr- I, it's Steve, so it's got to be good. Um, oh, well, maybe this is the finally the thing that pushes me over to nostalgia being a toxic impulse. If that, yeah. like, you missing Steve hate me, <laughs> made you like this song. Maybe so, because you're right. I think it, I, I don't. I wrote in my notes, like, it's a great, simple, rocky, fun song. I think you're right. Like, it hits it hits the notes that it needs to hit. I don't think it's a bad song at all. I think mm-hmm. it's a fine song. But I, I don't know. I want to say there's nothing special about it, but then I immediately want to disagree with that because I think there are some things about it that are special and fun. Um, it is perhaps one of the uh, uh, only songs on this album or the previous album with fully horn instrumentation, mm-hmm. right? We have and horns all and strings and strings. Yeah. There's a lot going on here, which I, I think know. is, is great. And um, it is, but it also made me not like the song more because they were used, they were used, but in such a way that I didn't like, it was like, Oh, they're just putting in horns. Oh, they're just putting in strings. Like I didn't feel like it added anything to it. It made me bump. It bummed me out. Cause you know, I always like, that's what it was. I wanted, a uh, um, basically a up tempo version of this song with a two tone ska rhythm and horns. <laughs> like that's and I kept think I kept thinking of this how good this song could be with that. In for me, I, again, sure. if they did that, I don't think this song would be very good for <laughs> right. anyone else but me. But I think I would have enjoyed it at like one point five speed. You know, that like the up the upbeats with the guitar and then throw those horns and strings in. I think that's sure. a perfect that's a perfect mix. Do a lot of ska songs have strings in them? They can. Really? They can, but mostly okay. horns. Mostly yeah. horns. Okay. And okay. the strings okay. were used the strings weren't used orchestrally. They were used sort of like as a uh, um like a fiddle? Uh yeah, as a fiddle, but like as a um to, as emphasis, the same way the horns were used. Okay. Like um they weren't fronted. They were okay. just used sort of as a as a ba- as backing, um, sure. which is fine. I mean, you can use strings that way too, obviously. But right. um, so I think they would have been fine in the ska song because they sounded almost like horns in that context. They sounded almost like horns. The horns of the song. The song. No, the strings. <laughs> oh, the strings. I understand. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I thought that the use of the horns was kind of phenomenal because they did front them. You so you just wanted them to be in the background this this whole time, sort of, right? Just Mm-mm. like chilling out and, and emphasizing. No, if this was a ska song, they would have fronted the shit out of those horns. Those horns would have like those horns wouldn't just be blasting in at the end of each verse. They would be carrying the entire melody of the song. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I suppose. Oh, so you're saying in this song they emphasized more than they more than they carried. Correct. Interesting. Because this, because you know the both the or, both the orchestra or the the strings and the horns, none of them are playing the melodic line. Yeah. They're just coming in like a like at the end of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, and they're, they're adding augmentation, which is, again, no complaints from me there. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, they're not being used. You know. Sure. The, the, yeah. the, the part when you, when you point that out that I noticed it the most is during the chorus when, you know, number one, the chorus is uh, pretty simple, which I don't know if I was a huge fan of the chorus. Just why say anything nice when you can say nothing at all twice. Uh, See, so actually, we're going we're gonna to disagree on this, too, because I think the wow. chorus was the only was the thing. Because the way I judge a BNL chorus is if, like, 
I listen to the song, I don't know, 40, 50 times, whatever the fuck I listen to it. And then if, like, three days later, I'm, like, in the shower and the chorus pops into my head, it's a good chorus. And they did. It did. It popped in this. This morning I found myself singing, well, I do anything nice, like that, in my, in my shower. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, and it but, surprised me, too, because I didn't think it was a good chorus until it popped up again. That's interesting. That is definitely not my consideration, because I still think about, like, isn't she beautiful? Shame on me. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, so you loved that chorus. <laughs> yeah. Like, just because it sticks in my head to me doesn't mean that it's good. It just means that it was catchy, oh, no. which the Vernigan ladies are fucking great at. But Well, that's the point of a chorus, right, is to be catchy. I don't know, because this chorus... It's the hook that brings you back. I ain't telling you no lie. The hook. On this, I can rely. That's true. But I, I felt like this was the part where I didn't like the strings and the horns, because they were just in the chorus doing, like, a psycho thing. They were like... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a fan of that weird, like, I don't know, horror part that the horns were doing. Why say anything nice I did. I did agree with you that this is a catchy tune. This song mm-hmm. is catchy as fuck. Uh, even if it's, I mean, it's just a classic Steve Bad Boyfriend song. Um, but this is a this is a Ty 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 got co-writing credit on this. Did he really? Tyler, yeah. This is like I think the first song I remember. There may have been others, and uh, you guys wow, can refer. I'd like to refer right. our listeners to "It's All Been Done" a bare naked lady. <laughs> no, I, um, whatever they're called, bare hey, naked ABCs. <laughs> because Tasty Tasty would certainly know. I'd like to. I'd like to do what we call a loop referential where I refer you back to this episode where I tell you to refer to uh, it, uh, Bay Naked ABCs because they sure. probably know if Tyler had written any other songs up to this point, but I don't know. This is the first time I've seen him. Wow. I remember seeing him as That's a co-author. Wild. Credit. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even note that on here, but you're right. Yeah, Ty has writing credit. Um, good God. I'm wondering what he added or didn't. Huh. Yeah. You think he just added the woo-hoo-hoos at the end? Uh, very possible. I really enjoyed those woohoo's, and I was thinking maybe for this episode I should replace our woohoo with that woohoo. Just yeah, uh, yeah, do it. It's just an extreme callback to this specific podcast and nothing else. I feel like this that that woohoo was meant for us. This is Steve telling us goodbye, Evan, with his woohoo. Well, his last line, of course, is so apropos of Steve. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Oh boy, I wonder, because this song, I do wonder what Ty added, because I felt like this song was, even though it is a classic Steve Bad Boyfriend song, um, lyrically, maybe not lyrically dense, but certainly there's a lot of interesting and fun stuff going on in it. Um, more than a lot of the songs on this album, I feel like it had it had things happening. Um, the lyrics didn't do much for me. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, I feel like they, they were lost in, I mean... Uh, you, you get the gist of the song, right? By yeah. the end of the first stanza, you get the gist of the song, and then they don't do anything else for the whole song. Yeah, I... except just repeat basically the the theme over and over again, which is sure. again fine, but it's not something I'm gonna be like, oh, these lyrics are fucking, you know, putting my tongue in her ear. Yeah, I and that's and that is the the home the golden standard <laughs> of Vernica Lady specificity. <laughs> you know, bananas, in sure. Indiana, Indiana. 
I, I just, I loved, like, the pre-chorus parts. I really loved the, like, A-A-A-B-B-B rhyme structure. Like, no screaming or fighting, no scratching or biting. We're just shaking hands goodnight. Da-da-da-da-da. It felt very Dr. Seussian to me. Like, sullen and silent, emotionally biting. I waited a while. And- oh, you made it sullen and silent like the ninjas. <laughs> the ninjas, the ninjas are, are sullen, sullen and, and silent. silent. <laughs> <laughs> They're also, holy shit, that's exactly, emotionally violent. <laughs> Sullen and silent, emotionally violent Waited a while and nothing, nothing Yeah, uh, but I thought that was cool. I thought it was definitely a little deeper than, and I felt like that was an Ed touch maybe because that seems like an Ed sort of like pack in the rhymes that he likes mm-hmm. to do. Um, and then giving it to Steve is a real sweetie move. Um, and it could be, I mean, it could be a Thai thing, actually, because we don't know what Thai style is. I, I do wonder what the fucking woo, if it was just the woo-hoo-hoos or, yeah, I don't know. Um, It could be, but I, I mean. I don't know if they'd give somebody writing credit for being like, oh yeah, you need to add a woo-hoo-hoo right here <laughs> and a fa-fa-fa and a la-la-la. <laughs> Love them. Um, this is our, I mean, lyrically, let's talk lyrically for a minute since we're there already. This is obviously not intentional but this is kind of our big emotional goodbye song to the bare naked mm-hmm. ladies isn't it i mean there's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's about uh, you know a breakup it's about a fight um you know i there are lines in here that are heartbreaking like frankly i'd be on my own if i thought i stood a chance like <laughs> steve buddy i don't know it's it's a goodbye song in the meanest way i thought frankly on my own I thought I'd stand a chance uh, and yep. there are, yeah this this the person in this song is not a nice person I would say um I think that uh you know lyrically this is a guy that's itching to just fucking beat somebody up right like I, I, I like he say he'll say things like why'd you take your glasses off you didn't want to fight I took them off to sleep I took them off to kiss you he I took seems more like somebody like he seems like somebody who's like mid midwestern all through and through like like wanting to like just being passive aggressive about everything sure so i didn't see him as as confrontational so much as wanting to confront someone but being incapable of either emotionally personally culturally societally and just working out in different ways and so these are two people just like forced to cohabitate that despise each other that are just sniping at each other this whole fucking time yeah I mean, I, I, I definitely saw that, but I also felt like there was some bubbling rage under the surface here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. every Midwesterner is a fucking hole of bubbling sure, rage. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, this is a song about the things that you say in your head when you're pissed at your partner, but you never say out loud. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of the whole crux of this song. It's a song about two people who fight, but they don't really fight. It's just tense, and then they don't talk to each other, right? Is that right. is that the crux of the song? Well, I think... I think yes, and um, it's about them being sort of trapped in like a negative deferment loop, which is a term I just made up, um, which may be actually real or not, but like, I'm sure there is an actual term for it where you're so trapped in your own head and your relationship with your partner that you can't even recognize the good things in the relationship. Sure. So I think the, the chorus really hit that for me, like why say anything nice when you can say nothing at all? So they're not even like, even when they some, their partner do, does something that is worthy of praise Mm -hmm. they just don't even recognize that because they're so focused on the negative sure i mean we 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 literally pull that out in the lyrics the flowers you sent meant nothing the the flowers you sent 
the partner is sending them fly. Like, clearly there's an olive branch. There's an apology. And he's just, like, still, like, ooh. Which made me think, because everything in the first two verses, I agree with you. But then once we get to the bridge and that, and that uh, the kind of uh, uh, third verse, it's sort of a mini verse, like, made this person into a sociopath for me a little bit. Um, because the bridge is saying, like, you know, uh, uh, when you apologize, you are making whatever it is less beautiful, I feel like, right? Because hmm. they're saying, like, uh, you know, say say anything nice, a simple device that makes everything beautiful just ordinary. Nice, say anything nice, a simple device that makes everything beautiful just ordinary. Like, if... You know, saying nice things is boring. It makes the beautiful dull. I feel like this person has no concept of other people. If I apologize, I will feel less joy because it will take the shine off this relationship. Like, I've known people like this. Um, and it just feels very scary, I think. Um, I, I see. I definitely see that, Reed. I was thinking of it more in the context of, like, he's, like, full of self-loathing, right? Yeah. So, um and that he hates his relationship, so he's not willing to put work in. And when the other per- when he sees the other person putting work in, it makes him hate himself more. Yeah. Um, and he's thinking like, I mean, because there have been relationships in the past where I've gotten into a fight with my significant other, and I've just been like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, but you know what? I don't care enough to oh, even like apologize or do anything. Yeah. But but the one of the first things I noticed in my relationship with my current partner is even when I'm like when I'm wrong and I realize I'm like, yeah, I care about this relationship enough to like eat that humble pie and be like yep it's been one week since you looked at me <laughs> cocked your head to the side and said you're angry sure yeah i i agree well it's just the the one line that it all kind of was the crux for me was a uh, sacrifice can only suffice when something is beautiful So he really, truly did feel like he hates this relationship because he's saying like, it's not even worth sacrificing for. Like, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, that's what I, yeah, yeah I, I think we have the same read yeah, on that. But exactly. what, what is beauty, Saker? Isn't she <laughs> plain <laughs> to see? Yeah, they answered it earlier on this album, clearly. Um, yeah, like that, you're, I don't know, this whole thing isn't beautiful enough for me to make a sacrifice over. Like that whole thing is just like a yikeroo, like what a bad mm. line um, that just made me upset. Um, yeah, classic, classic Stevie P. I'm so sad we're not going to hear his his perspective anymore on what a boyfriend should and shouldn't be. What a bummer. Um, I don't know. I don't think we've ever heard what a boyfriend should be from Steve. Yeah, I guess not, huh? There is no song in which he's telling us. I guess that's a boring song. That's a boring viewpoint to write from. What, a song about how much you love your partner and how how much you're willing to like like if you reverse to this song where you're like um i don't know i can't even i can't even come up with lyrics for that <laughs> i apologize to my partner because i knew what was wrong <laughs> like i cooked them dinner and i was really really flowers. sorry so i wrote this little song <laughs> <laughs> no right like that song yeah. sucks that's boring that's... i don't know i think that there's there are some good songs like i know that 80 percent of all songs are written about human relationships right uh with other humans um but 
were you just trying to prove you weren't an alien there? Human relationships with other humans. No, because there's like Mandy where like uh, it's about his dog and there's songs about how good food is and things like that. And like how great parties are. Sure. Right. Like, so I wanted to, I wanted to cover all my bases. Right, right, right. Be a specificity. You're a good um, man. Okay. If there's one thing, if there's one thing we try in this podcast is to be specific. <laughs> sure. Um, I remember when we decided that you had your glasses on. Uh, I could see the, ref- the reflection of your monitor in there. You were looking at a Wikipedia page. It was about mollusks. <laughs> and I was eating a Dairy Queen and the table was red and the cone was dripping on my hands. <laughs> oh, I miss Kevy boy. Um, you know what I want to try? What? Rum raisin. I've never had rum raisin either. Nor have I, and nor have I ever seen it. I feel like it's one of those like old timey flavors that's going to be like, yeah, ketchup soup. It's what we ate every day in the depression. Like it's like black jelly beans and ketchup soup. And I just want to give it like I want to see what all the fuss is about. I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure the uh the the one of the best ice cream places I've ever been to the Indian ice cream place by my house, which is mm. named Mardi Gras. It's a melange of every culture. There you go. There you go, everybody. <laughs> now you know that Saker lives by Mardi oh, Gras no. ice cream. Uh, that place fucking rules. It has a bunch oh, of yeah. like, uh, like rose hip and like, uh, cool Indian flavors. Um, but I cumin. am fairly sure <laughs> cumin and turmeric ice cream. No, I have, I've had their turmeric and cumin ice cream. It's Do they good. have a, oh, I was, I was, I was making a jokey yeah. joke. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they have, mar- they have like masala ice cream mm-hmm. and like, uh, yeah, it's good. It's all good. good. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm fairly sure they have a rum raisin, but rum raisin to me always seemed like, Ice cream is an indulgence for me. It's a once in a while <laughs> indulgence. And if I'm going uh-huh. and I see like cherry vanilla and I see rum raisin, I can't see any situation in which I'm ever going to be like, let me try something. Let me go to uncharted territory with my ice well, cream. Why don't you do, let me, let me uh, pitch this to you. Go in and go, hey, can I taste the rum raisin? Uh, in the time of COVID, you are crazy, Ev. Oh yeah, not now. <laughs> not obviously not now. No one's getting fucking ice cream well actually lots of people are getting yeah. ice cream there's like lines off the block of my ice cream local ice cream places yeah, but i'm eating ice cream all the time um so now i could actually get some rum raisin it is not a, it's an everyday indulgence for me nowadays yeah. which is a, but i mean i look i've been looking for it at the grocery stores and i have not found it at anyone i don't rum raisin see here's the thing rum raisin just tastes like rum it has no alcohol content to it correct i don't know i've never had it okay. <laughs> I don't know why you're asking me this. <laughs> so you've never had, you've never researched it. You've never done your Wikipedia deep dive. No, no. I want to be. I don't want to like ruin this for me. <laughs> I want to be like. I'm gonna walk in. I'm gonna have my shoes without bottoms. Uh-huh. I'm gonna have my pants with patches on them. I'm gonna have that little scally cap like cocked to the side. I'm gonna have my blazer with patches on the uh, elbows. Sure. And then I'm gonna have my like a uh, 1902 newspaper under my arm, and I'm gonna go and get a fucking rum raisin. You know what's up with that? Then I'm gonna get in my fucking velocipede and pedal away. Okay, sounds good. Is uh is the velocipede the same as the penny farthing, or is that different? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think the velocipede. I think the velocipede has um. It might have had gears on. I it. love that you have specifics, but you don't know what they are or what they mean. <laughs> It's a delight to me. No, no, no. I think the, I think the, yeah, the Velocipede, I feel like a, is very similar to the Penny Farthing. Okay. Because I don't think either of them had, none of them had gears or chains on them. Um, Ev, Rum Raisin Ice Cream is, uh, Haagen-Dazs has it, so I'm surprised you can't find it in stores. Um, yeah, I'm surprised too. But the raisins are soaked in rum. That's where the rum comes Ooh. from in Rum Raisin. Um, it's like a fruitcake. Yeah, which I love. I don't understand why people dislike fruitcake. Like that, it's fruitcake fucking rules. I love. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I um, I did a uh, last 
Christmas because my family is very British. Yeah. Uh, we I did a uh, um, like Christmas pudding, and that was awesome, but also kind of a nightmare. What's Christmas pudding? It's like a fruit cake that you cook over twelve days, and you like it's so it's not it's more like it's like a thick sort of gooey gooey fruit cake, and it takes like a long time to prepare, and it's you know it's a twelve days of Christmas or whatever. Um, and uh, it looks like it, shit. <laughs> you cover it in you cover it in hard sauce, which is like reduced rum and like sugar, and it was it was like imagine if you can the densest, gooeyest fruit cake you've ever had uh-huh. soaked in icing, vaguely rum flavored icing. It was pretty good. That sounds incredible to me, but I will tell you, as I've just said, it looks like somebody sculpted truly a, a turd on a plate <laughs> yeah and like most british food it looks like shit <laughs> but it was pretty good um yeah interesting um where the what the what was happening <laughs> uh so a penny farthing is a type of velocipede got it okay good i knew we were on the right track there yeah, there we go um let's now see. we know now you know now that's we what these know. Listen, that's what our listeners come from come <laughs> for is uh our sweet Sweet uh, knowledge. There's there's one thing that I feel like I could have one up to the Barenaked Ladies on on this song, and that one up is this. Um, there's some great harmonies in the song, especially in the pre-chorus segments. But there's that super long held beautiful on the sacrifice can only suffice when something is beautiful, where they just hold it, and I feel like if the harmonies would have like blossomed and fly like beautiful 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 like that would have been awesome and then it would have led into the 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 big next part but like it's just like a very small minute harmony and i'm not sure why they didn't i know that they know better than i do i just wanted some embellishment there i'm surprised that they didn't do anything something is beautiful But they do do a lot of cool things with harmonies. I love the dueling ear harmonies in the ending uh, when they're going from the left ear to the right ear back mm-hmm. and forth, um, just saying, why say anything nice? Yeah, it was it was some cool uh, last, last harmonies for our boy Steve, sending him out with a 21 harmony salute. Thought it was very sweet of them. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I'm sure that was their intention. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ev, anything else about this song? Uh, oh nope. The drop's coming. I got excited. <laughs> I thought we. Were gonna... <laughs> um, okay. Uh, did you hear the live version of it? Yes, the Steve live from Home Ten. Yeah, dude. Six hundred and thirty participants. Yeah, six hundred participants at ten dollars each. Steve May yeah. was making $6,000 a week at the height of life from home. Yeah, because it's just a... I mean, I'm sure he pay, he pay, he cuts a little to whatever, like, thing is ticketing this. Like, he's yeah. paying, like, a percentage. But, I mean, he's still probably... I mean, he, I can't imagine he's, he's kicking up more than, like, $1,000 or something to these people. So he's making, like, fi- a, a cool 5K off of this. God, that's 20K a month that he was making off of Live at Home at its height. Just imagine if you were such an artist that you could just, like, be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to set up some shit in my fucking rec room, and uh, y'all can give me $5,000. Sure. Well, just imagine and, uh, if you were the premier band to have ever come out of Canada. I suppose, like, we're talking about, like, yeah. Uh, imagine if you were an auteur, like, an amazing musician, artist. Yeah, so, I, just, yeah. I was just imagining that. Yeah, he, he, deserves, he deserves every penny of it. I love that man. Uh, but going back to whoever's question it was a million years ago, no, Steve does not need our help. Steve does not need our money. He's fine. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, this Live From Home 10 is, it's a sweet stripped down version. Like the first note I took is Steve always looks so happy. I love him. Like yeah. he's just like, he looks like he's having a blast. I just, he's... I think that's what it was. Like he's always said that he's happiest when he's performing. Yeah. And um, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially since he's good at it. I yeah. don't see why not. For sure. Um, I think that, yeah, it was just a stripped down version. It, again, though, the, uh, um, the one week. Yes. Rears its, its head. Two... And I think that was my favorite version of one week I've ever heard <laughs> where he just mumbles every line. Yes. And, uh, stops and thinks about it for a second and goes, I'm going to go bing, <laughs> Aquaman. Like, Hold it now, watch the hood break, make a sharp thing. You think you're looking at that and then he does half a chorus of the song and then just goes right into mustache Sally. Oh yes, the two good things about this. So yeah, the the, the part about one week. Uh, he, I think he's clearly fucking it up on purpose. He's just the delight of a showman. But this does make me feel like, even if it's in a very backwards way, this song does remind him of BNL. Because in the middle of this song about leaving and never talking to the other person again, mm-hmm. he's talking. he sings a bit from one week, which felt very, like, pointed to me. Even if it wasn't, it felt like a, a stab. <laughs> Um, yeah, then, then why don't you talk a little bit about Mustache Sally? <laughs> oh, he was just telling about his favorite story, of a re- his favorite review he ever got. They sang, apparently, Mustang Sally in a, at, live in a concert. They were doing their extemporaneous version, and uh, um, they changed the words to Mustache Sally. And the reviewer said, if you find that funny, then I guess this band is for you, <laughs> but I guess it's not for anyone else. Yeah. And Steve said, yes, I still find that funny. And he like did a little, did a little giggle. Why don't you grow that mustache log? <laughs> I yes. loved it. Mustache Sally! Girl, you better grow that mustache long! <laughs> I still like it. Why say it was very funny. And, man, I don't know. I just I want to see them all happy again, Ev. <sighs> well, so why don't you just accept that your parents are happiest apart? I know. Truly... I understand the pain of what every BNL fan feels like now. Like, because I always loved BNL, and and this is the hard part is that this is the last album that I know. Like, the other mm-hmm. ones I downloaded and I maybe listened through once, but this is where my love of BNL stops. So, like, yeah, my, my, like, I have no parents after this. <laughs> they separated, and I never listened to either of them ever again, and I was 18 years old, and I was off on my own in the world. Well, I mean, you, you, you went off on your own. And uh, you did listen to them, but you didn't like give them the weight that they did that you had in their ch- in your childhood. Their sure. words didn't carry as much for you. Sure, because you're trying to make your own life. You're trying to make your own one week. Yeah, yeah, I am. You're right. You're and right. I think with your rap band, Two D Six, you've succeeded. Oh shucks, buddy. Thank you. Was it the song in which we sampled one week? Is that where you feel like we succeeded the best? No. Oh, okay. No. All right. Cool. Um. But uh. But yeah. It was uh. This is just. It's got this song. Whether or not it's good has so much weight uh, associated with it that it was hard for me to not view it through a lens of like, if not, this is good. At the very least, this is important. Um, And so I don't know. It just it was it was sad. It was sad in a very uh, real way. Um, 
So that's it, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think that like it felt to me like BNL went out with like a um, BNL as I'd say old BNL PPE BNL. Sure. Um, uh, went out with like a um, a grin and a fart. <laughs> like <laughs> that's fair. Like but, they like grin, a fart, and a wink. Yeah. As they're as they're leaving the door, and they like do the thing where they twiddle a little bit of their like they do a little backwards over the shoulder, bye bye. Yeah, yeah. But that's how they always wanted to go with a fart. And yeah, a wink. I mean, yeah. I think they went out on their own terms. Yeah. They died as they lived. Yeah, as a band. But you're, I mean, we're we're making up a story that is 100 percent not true. They did not go out on their own terms. They the circumstances are mysterious, and they clearly fired Steve. <laughs> like this was bad. This was messy. This was bad. The circumstances are obscured yeah. by a cloud of cocaine. And also, I mean, we make up so many narratives in this podcast because truly, they do have a whole other album left in in snack times. <laughs> but these are these are the narratives we're inventing. So, uh, subscribe to our Patreon to hear our reviews of Snack Time. Um, all right, Ev, why don't you tell me, since we have some... Uh, let me check. Yeah, we have some time right now. Why don't you tell me what dating sim this song is like? Try and be quick about it. Please. And I can, and I will, not do. do. Uh, this is about none other than Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Yeah, absolutely. Famous, famous. Yeah. This seemed like a very, very saker type of game. Sure, absolutely. Have you played it? Uh, I. So here's the deal. It's not a long game. It's like an eight-hour game. And right. the first two hours are... Hey, Doki Doki Literature Club spoilers to anybody who hasn't played this very famous uh, Sam. Also, I should say, I should call out like uh, trigger warnings for suicide and uh, mental illness. For sure. Um, but the first two hours are before the twist happens and they are so dreadfully boring because they are meant to simulate like a dating sim mm-hmm. and so it's just like who do you Whoa, write, shots fired who do you want to write poems to i'm writing a poem right now here is my poem i wrote oh this girl is so cute so i couldn't get i couldn't get to the prestige like i, I couldn't get to the part where the game gets good because i just was like what am i have so many things i could be doing right now so well, no. it's a visual novel so just watch a let's play and skip to the part where it gets good truly i could and i think i have watched clips from and it you before. can and you will and, and you i do, do. you did um, yeah, so you play an insular weird dude, as Saker said, who's sort of invited by his high school sweetheart to join this uh, high school literature club by Sayori, his childhood sweetheart. Um, and it is composed of the president, uh, the assertive Natsuki, the shy Yuri, and the... Uh, oh, sorry, the club president is Monica. Um, and uh, it's weird that she's the only one with, like, an American mm, name. It's very weird, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's rendered in kanji, or not kanji, um, katakana or hiragana, I don't remember which one. But, so it's a, it's a jet... The Japanese language has the means to produce a Monica, mm-hmm. unlike, um, I don't know, like, Evan. Yeah. Actually, they could do Evan. A- oh, no, they couldn't. They can't do the V sound. V, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, um, or Squirrel. <laughs> we used to have a lot of fun teaching Japanese people to pronounce Squirrel. Because it's such a weird word. How would they pronounce it, Evan? Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> or sukuaru like they can't really like sure like it's just it's every you know, letter it's like has to twister. be its own individual syllable in the japanese yeah. language unfortunately yeah for a word yeah. like squirrel except for mm. yeah 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 weird yeah things that make you go mm. anyway <laughs> um so uh you're just like as saker said the first like two hours are just a boring uh simulation of this uh game where you're just kind of doing i want to say like dating sim platitudes like it's meant to be incredibly sort of sappy and silly and tropey and yeah ridiculous yeah um but it also achieves that uh so like you know you're like why did you why what is this game why is this even doing this why did you put on your dress shoes if you didn't come to dance <laughs> like why are you why are we doing all this poetry because it's like you know 
boring. I'd walk away, but I don't think I could last on my own uh, without these girls. And then, uh, of course, Sayori, um, your childhood sweetheart, confesses her deep, her love, but also her deep depression. And uh, later that week, uh, Monica shows you a poem that is uh, sort of a really dark poem about and repeatedly orders someone to get out of her head. Um, this is this is Sayori's poem. And so you're like, oh, shit, she's super depressed. I got to run over to her house. And you find that she's hanged herself. And uh, um, the game ends and you go back to the loading screen. And that's where the shit starts hitting the fan. So uh, basically, to make a long story short, like one by one, uh, these girls confess their love to you and then die in horrible ways. And the game gets as you went back to the loading screen um, and play the game again. Uh, Sayori isn't in the game anymore. She's like and all of her her name and all of her dialogue is like rendered illegible. Yeah. So um, so it gets sort of meta in that regard. And um, the next girl, Yuri, when her sanity sort of declines, she hands you a f- indecipherable poem covered in like blood and bodily fluids. <laughs> and um, she uh, basically uh, confesses her love and then stabs herself multiple times. And um, that's when the game gets super meta because the script breaks in the game. So your character can't move and you're just stuck in the room with her all weekend as her body slowly decomposes. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, so it's pretty terrible. But uh, long story short, uh, in the end, you find that Monica, the president of the club, is a uh, like self-aware game character who's been altering the uh, characters because she doesn't want them to fall in love with you because she wants to be in love with you. But um, not you, the character, you, the player. You, the person. Yeah, yeah you, the player um so she wants to be in love with you the player so she's been altering these char- these characters to be less likable um so basically you could say just like the chorus of this song why couldn't they say anything nice they should be saying nothing at all <laughs> sure which is what really called this out to me sure yeah i see so that's that. from monica's perspective yeah um so of course it's fucking you know horrible and uh basically you have to literally go in to the game file and delete her character file to make her leave you alone yeah um otherwise she'll just keep talking to you and just doing like insane not insane things but like just talking about like just banal totally yeah she worthless like she basically yeah kills all the other characters and traps you in the game with her and talks to you about nothing until you go into the files and delete her (laughs) and then the game like starts over again where the other characters are like thanking you like oh no not always. There's yeah, like there's several different endings, endings, right? Yeah. yeah. Depending on what you did, there's a lot of meta endings. There's a lot of things like that, that play depending on how you actually did. Like if you watch, if you watched all the optional scenes, you get uh, an ending that, um, which actually requires you to save and load at several points to get the optional scenes within one game. Yeah. Um, so that's where the characters uh, all like you and they support you and they, you know, they express their gratitude for you supporting them. Um, but basically, if you don't do that, Sayori becomes the president of the club and then basically does what Monica did, like starts to slowly become self-aware and uh, basically uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah. And if you uh, if you delete Monica's file from the directory before even starting the first game, uh, Sayori is the leader of the club and uh, she basically destroys the game yeah yeah she forces it to close and it does all those i absolutely this is one of my favorite tropes in gaming that's just happened within the last maybe 10 
Well, actually, Metal Gear Solid, so maybe 20 years. Yeah. But just like the meta aspect of gaming, where like it'll fuck with you and your computer and your system. Mm-hmm. Like way back when Psycho Mantis. Yeah, you know, like where you get like you download a browser game and then it just installs all the spyware on your Bonsai computer. Bonsai Buddy is my favorite game of the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I like when Psycho Mantis read your memory card and said how much you loved Sui Coden or like, I don't, uh-huh. I love, I love games where. Uh, where it, it breaks your sense of what a game is. Undertale does a great job with this, and uh, One Shot, if you've ever played that game. Like, yeah, this it's it's one of my new favorite uh, things in gaming. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, yeah, so Doki Doki is basically this song. I mean, uh, after all that resentment, all that discontentment, the flowers that Monica sends you mean nothing. Yeah. Because you know that she is just an empty shell. Yeah. Uh, this is interesting. So. If, if you delete uh, Sayori and Monica's character files when launching the game, it just skips to basically the end. It just says the word end when you load the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? Like, the game is over. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, okay. Wow. Doki Doki. I'm glad you got to Doki Doki. That's very interesting. Uh, now, Ev, tell me, how is this game like? Had a full boyfriend. Once upon a time, there was a future where only birds ruled. <laughs> Why? What? And humans were hunter-gatherers who lived in caves uh, uh, for the great, the great bird wars. And uh, um, I don't know. I think that, like, I'd like to see How to Full Boyfriend, but the birds don't talk. They just go... <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> um, okay. Ebo, great job. Let's get around to rating this song. Ev, as usual, we rate the song on a scale of bare naked to fully clothed. The more clothes the song is wearing, the worse it is. The fewer clothes, the better. So, Ev, on a scale of bare naked to fully clothed, where would you rate this song? I'm so excited. Oh, boy. You know how much I love Will Ferrell movies. Uh-huh. And guess what? <laughs> um... The new streaming platform, Norblix, is releasing a new Will Ferrell movie. It's called Talladega Days, and it's a retread of Talladega Nights, but from the perspective of Will Ferrell's kids or some shit. And I'm a big fan of Talladega Nights, so I'm like, all right, here I go. Uh, So I pop in my little couchy, I get my poppy corn, I get my beer, I get my soda, I get my little friends over socially distanced and uh, we watch uh saker furiously look up stuff for his review mm-hmm. um i'm, I'm and, actually uh, reading about or not reading looking at easter eggs about doki doki uh, literature club because they're freaking me out they're very terrifying easter eggs sorry keep going <laughs> <laughs> that's okay so uh, i'm watching it and uh like the most recent will ferrell movie um what's that one europe song contest Oh, Eurovision. Uh, Eurovision yeah. Song Contest. Yeah. It's not so much a Will Ferrell movie as a movie with Will Ferrell in it. Okay. I mean, there are some. There are some Will Ferrell. There is some Will Ferrell stuff in it, like some funny, weird stuff that I do like Will Ferrell about. And granted, he has done a much better job of sort of embracing and realizing how problematic his like man-child persona is uh-huh. um, in the various other like movies that he does. And granted, it's comedy, so it's supposed to be a little bit, you know transgressive and, and not hurtful i mean as long you don't want to cross that line but at the same time like i don't know constantly portraying someone who is incapable of the most basic human like functions right uh for laughs is i don't know just a little a little dated and uh so he's done that so in eurovision and that makes it a little less uh, funny because again i'm trash and i like trash stuff sure so but he's in there i mean there's still some funny stuff in there but 
largely it's like a heartwarming story about you know relationships and a band's climb and there are some funny stuff in it but largely it's just a good movie so um i wanted to go on and like shout it from the hilltops and like say hooray hooray you know uh, another will ferrell movie that he's Kaz- back baby kazoo kazoo but, hooray hooray but you know what uh kalu kale oh that's right. fraptious day thank you yeah. um so anyway i uh i go and i like sit there with my my twitter my facebook my tumblr open all on different tabs and i'm just sitting there with my hands poised across the keyboards and then i just like look up blink close it wow and then uh close them all i'm like you know what i'm just gonna let it stand on its own it's not worth like it's a good movie but it's not one that i'm gonna like go and recommend to everybody and just then call comes in from my good buddy saker it's time to record a podcast so my camera comes on i'm in my t-shirt my shorts ready to record here i am that's my rating for this song what was the will ferrell movie <laughs> it's just not for everyone <laughs> okay oh uh eurovision song but i mean contest. like yeah this song oh this song is a, uh it, i want to say something good about this song since it's the last like sure. bnl sure, sure, full sure. bnl song sure. we're gonna hear on a full album yeah, okay it's you know my last stevie boy you know and it's not a bad song yeah but it's not like it's not it's not what i want from bnl sure at this last moment i want them to go out not with a wink and a fart but with a like explosion of sound and fury that leaves me trembling and um, shaking and my mouth full of marbles. Sure, sure, sure. Um, for me, I think uh, my friend Evan says, "Hey, buddy, come over. We're going to have socially distant movie night in my backyard. Setting up chairs. I'm ordering the pizzas. Bring over a cake." Write something funny on it, and we're going to eat, and we're going to have fun. We're going to giggle with our friends in the backyard. Everybody's wearing masks. And I say, mm-hmm. all right, buddy, I'm coming over. But you notice that when I say that, there's like a quaver to my voice. Um, and uh, you're not sure what's up with it. And uh, I come over, and it's, you know, it's it's doggy days of August, just like it is. Uh, and uh, I'm wearing like a, a long sleeve shirt and um like three quarter length pants and shoes uh and you they're they're vibrams you've never seen me wear vibrams before but they're little like toe shoes that i'm wearing (laughs) and uh and you're like uh, hey bud wow those are interesting new shoes huh you going hiking or something and i go yes these are my new shoes (laughs) and then uh you look a little closer and you realize that those aren't vibrams those are just my toes but why are they covered in black it looks like i'm wearing shoes and then you look a little closer and you realize that i'm not actually wearing a long sleeve shirt or three-quarter length pants i'm not wearing anything i just have i've written something on myself over and over again so much so that it looks like clothing it's the words you peer closer i love stevie p over and over again in black marker just all down my arms across my torso on my legs on my feet just so much that they look like clothes um, this song is <laughs> a long sleeve shirt, three quarter length pants and vibrams, but it's, it's soaked in love for our boy, Stevie P. Uh, he is just, uh, I'm going to miss him so much. I'm so sad that he's gone and, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to be without him. Um, but this is it. This is it. So, uh, my love for him knows no bounds and I've write, written it all over my body. That's my review for this song. I love Stevie P. Ebo. We're going to be right back with more It's All Been Done, a Brandica Ladies podcast. Hey, Evan. Mm, yes? 
I'm sorry, who is this? <laughs> I'm so used to you just saying something and starting a conversation that when you just said yes, a true panic flitted across my mind. New podcast, who this? <laughs> if you had to do a new podcast, somebody forced you at gunpoint to do a podcast about a subject that you care about. Would you do it about Japanese history? What would your, what's the EV podcast? I wouldn't do it about Japanese history because I feel like I, I mean, I know a lot about Japanese history, but I feel like the only people who would listen to it were people who would know, who know more about Japanese history than me. Sure. And I would just get fucking mercilessly trolled. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Cause it's been, I'm going to be honest. I still read Japanese history books, but it's been 10 years since I studied Japanese history in earnest. Right. Okay. So what would your podcast be about? Ooh, bah. I know it would be about 10, 15 minutes, 10 to 20 minute episodes. <laughs> uh-huh. I know that's for fucking sure. Um, it'd be called a 20 minute episode podcast uh-huh. where uh, we talk about time and our relationship to it. Uh-huh. Uh- and every episode would be exactly the same, but with slight <laughs> differences, slight Easter eggs that you have to put together. Sure, the end- no, I wouldn't want to put that much effort into Endless it. Endless podcast. Okay, uh, interesting. Um, so, but I mean, like, what? It would have to be something that you would enjoy, right? So, would you do like a movie, like a Will Ferrell podcast? Could you do a Will Ferrell could, podcast? Or like a horror, like there's a million horror movie podcasts, but I do like watching horror movies. The thing is, like, I wouldn't want to do a podcast about something I enjoy because then I would stop enjoying it because it would start to become work. I guess. Like, I would do, I think it would probably be like, if I had to do a podcast, it would be like another one of, one of the billion real, like, play podcasts like some sort of D&D sure. thing where it's just recorded because that would be the least amount of work for me sure because i already do that shit anyway and i think that our games are fucking hilarious and i think i'm a great gm so i think it would be a fun thing to do but at the same time i wouldn't ever want to do that sure yeah that checks out you are a good see here's the thing i think that you are a good dm full stop no nothing and i think that i am also a good dm full stop but I don't think that we are good for each other. <laughs> we, we are very different DMing styles. Uh, I, I've been in your game, you've been in mine, and I think we were both like, that's okay. I think that's okay. Yeah. But I do- I, Game, game recognized game. Game recognized game. Uh, I, I don't know, I think it's, uh, but I, I do enjoy one shot. Have I ever been in any of your one shots? Maybe not. You've been in tons of one, we've been in tons of one shots together. Well, yeah, Either as players. As players and, yeah, yeah, and I think that one shots are a different animal than, sure. than full on, yeah, yeah, like yeah. multiple arc sessions. Yes, but. absolutely. Uh, boy, this has been a, such a hard year for gaming for me. All of my games went online, which is hard, mm-hmm. period. It's hard to... Yes. Are you still doing Monday? This is so yep. inside game. Yep. Live? Or over internet? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. no. Uh, everything's over Zoom. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you might have done a backyard game. But like... Uh, no, my, my brother is uh, not capable. Sure. Of, uh, yes, of course. Um, yes. He's immunocompromised, yes. so I wouldn't want to even see him in person. I didn't even think about that. Um, but uh, uh, all the gaming conventions were canceled. Um, we, uh, uh, You have a, a thing that you were going to restart this November that you used to do every year that got canceled, a little gaming fest that you did at your house. Like This has been the worst year for gaming. What a bummer. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we'll rise from the ashes like the uh, phoenix God. of... Brangar. I know. When he, when Magar, the betrayer of Gabon, was placed in the Bladed Citadel. As everyone knows, that. Fit. As everyone knows, <laughs> that's. I think that's one of my favorite fucking. You talked about gaming conventions, and I was thinking more of like conventions and like the conventions of gamers. Sure, sure. Thing, and that's. I think that's my favorite thing, where somebody will like genuinely like sit you down and tell you a fucking rambling story with like so many inside jokes. Right. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I probably do. Uh, a podcast like Game Mastering Two Hundred One. Oh, player, I like because that. There's all those like there's all those like game mastering like oh here's the basics you need to know to be a game master. Sure. 
here's what you need to know to like do do this do read the rules and stuff like that but there's a lot of shit that like is like i don't want to say like next level shit but literally is next level shit yeah. like hey uh, the most important thing are your player's character sheets. Sure. Take them and read them and see what your characters put points in and what they want to happen and then build your game around that. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's lots of like little shit that I've learned over, you know, 25 years of running games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it'd be fun to do. And it'd be, it'd be like a 10 minute podcast or something like that. That's fun. But anyway. You know, there's a podcast a lot like that on the Orange Groves Network. I'm talking about game mechanics. Yes, that's right. Game mechanics in which your host, Logan, uh, Mm, the page is not loading now. Talk about mechanics. In which... This page could use a couple <laughs> mechanics to fix it up and get the oil changed. Oh my god, I literally did not understand, because the logo is a wrench, and I did not understand the pun in game mechanics before. What, Holy what if fuck. the internet was like driven by um, like internal combustion? So like you had to like crank start your computer. That'd be so like the whole time you're on it, it's just like pumping, pounding away. Jesus Christ. No <laughs> podcast would exist. Uh, in which I know it'd be such a nightmare. In which your host Logan brings an industry insider on every episode to talk about different aspects of role-playing games. Uh, oh. Logan's had on uh, Mark Shepard, Reese Bennett, Will Yule, Greg Leatherman, Sean Gomes, all the popular people uh, that you know Ooh. and love best. Leatherman is a great last name. Oh, it certainly is. How about Nathan Blades? That's somebody oh, he's wow. had on the show. Wow. That's okay, so there's like, so there's straw manning somebody. Uh-huh. There's steel manning somebody. <laughs> what is leather manning somebody's <laughs> argument? Uh, what is steel manning somebody? I know straw steel manning. manning is presenting someone's argument in the best possible light. Oh, okay. Uh, leather. Whereas straw manning is presenting somebody's argument in the worst possible leather, light. Like, leather manning someone's argument is like uh, re- revamping it until it's the best version of what it could possibly be. It's hanging it out in the sun for a long time. Is that not it? I think that. That's like that's kind of like steel manning. I think leather manning is um, uh, revamping someone's argument in such a way that it is useful but hard to chew sure. and swallow. So like you do it in such a way that the points are valid, but the person listening to them will not accept them. Sure. Yes, that makes sense. Or leather. Ma- so you can. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of that on Facebook, like where somebody will like. Well, actually, that's fake news, and here's here's what's actually happening, and then post like something from like and like, uh, you know, some not not even Snopes, but like a, like a research paper or something like that, in response to some idiot gibbering about sure. you know some MAGA thing, and they'll just be like, double down, fake news, garbage, and like so they are presenting the argument in the best possible light, yes. but in such a way that they know the other person is never going to swallow yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I believe that just happened to my partner and a mutual friend of ours last night. <laughs> Leatherman. <laughs> Leathermanning. I think Leathermanning is presenting an argument in such a way that it it warms the other person. It makes them feel uh, warm, but also badass. Like <laughs> oh, a leather jacket? <laughs> I mean, it could be. Uh, yeah, like it's like a, a leather pants. Yeah, like the argument is, uh, it fits them, but it's so tight <laughs> they can't, they can't, they can't find a way out of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, leather, leather You're manning. Have to get cut out of this argument. <laughs> leather manning someone is when you. Um, I think it's, it has something to do with the BDSM community. Yeah. I don't know exactly, <laughs> but I can tell you that much. It's yeah. when you... And I mean, as long as it, it's it's when you engage in an argument with a consenting partner <laughs> and you both end up having a good time, sure. but it's all done in DMs. My kink is 
I want to be the wrong person in this argument, and you want to. I want you to be right, and I really want you to berate me when I'm wrong. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about the postal service, and I just want you to present me with these fucking facts and just whip me with them. Okay, that's. <laughs> I want you to leatherman me here. Just fucking lacerate me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, anyway, Game Mechanics is on uh, the Season 1 break, uh, but Game Mechanics will return. So uh, check it out. You can binge Season 1 right now, all 11 episodes, only on the Orange Groves Podcast Network. And we're back with more It's All Been Done, a Barenaked Ladies podcast. Now's the time of the show when we spin this wheel and see which segment we come up with. Last episode, we spun it five times. Let's see if we do any better this time. <laughs> Everything old is new again. Score a scene from media with this song. So it's a song about not talking to each other. A song about uh, how passive aggressiveness is the way to get things done. What 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 fucking what movie what TV show just takes place is so midwestern. I'm thinking this might be a scene from the Drew Carey show or <laughs> from <laughs> Jesus. Like, I just feel like this is such a... Ohio! Like, <laughs> goddamn. Maybe this is the theme song from the Drew Carey show. <laughs> Why'd you put your dress shoes on? Um, so, let's see. I don't know. What's a scene in which uh, two people are not talking to each other? I feel like it's th- yeah, going to be... Maybe... Like in Stranger Things where... Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> maybe a scene in a romantic comedy where, like... Because I always kind of go to montages with these in my brain. But it's sort of that act two uh, thing where, you know, the guy has done something to piss off the girl. And so now they're not talking to each other. And we get these individual scenes of them both looking sad and thinking about one another. And what their relationship could have been before act three when they get back together. Um, Dane Cook's The Comeback Kid, or whatever that fucking two, one movie that Dane Cook was in. I didn't know Dane Cook was in a movie. <laughs> yeah, remember there was like there was that like brief, brief moment where like studio, not studio, like arena comedian Dane Cook was like they were pushing him as like a not a heartthrob but like a romantic comedy guy. I don't like somebody who could be in romantic comedy. Was he in Dan in real life? No, that's totally wrong. No, he was in the, the only one I remember him from. And this is a movie I've never seen, even when I was doing the romantic comedies. <laughs> or maybe I did. Maybe this is why I remember. That's it. possible. I, my life is a fucking <laughs> desert. The winds of time shape my recollection. <laughs> uh, he was in um, Dan in real life, by the way. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't. <laughs> he was in Mystery Men. Who the yeah, f- but I mean that's not a romantic comedy. Was- this is like okay, you're right. A comedy where it's like him and uh, um, I don't remember the female lead. It was a, uh, it might have been what's her name um, from. This know. is gr- good, good content. Good pod, good, good, pod, pod. good can, pod. Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba. Maybe? <laughs> it's just true. Anyway, yeah, he's like the guy who, um, whenever you date him, the next person after you break up with him, the next person you meet will be your true love. Good luck, Chuck. Good luck, Chuck. Good luck. Chuck is such a name. Uh, yeah. Nicknames are so fucking weird. Why? Oh, it's Charles to Chuck. Yeah, but Chuck just sounds like, sounds horrible. Yeah, well, it reminds me of meat immediately, right? I mean, I guess that's, is that your current, is that your immediate uh, thought about Chuck? No, up, up Chuck is what I think Sure, of. absolutely. What's up, Chuck? Um, yeah. <laughs> the movie with Dane Cook. <laughs> It's a sequel to Good Luck, Chuck. What's up, Chuck? Um, I don't remember you talking about this at all. Women find their one true love after having sex with a dentist named Chuck. Jesus, that's... Yeah, so he was a... So Dane Cook just, I guess, didn't have enough charisma to pull it off and didn't end up... But anyway, I think this is about... This song is about 
Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> How? What scene from Guardians of the Galaxy could be? Uh... Uh, I said that, and here I go. You know, like where um, Chris Pratt—I don't even remember his character, Starbug or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, okay. It's something like Mister Mister Star. <laughs> um, yeah, the Five Point Man, Mister Star. <laughs> That's right, Star of David, <laughs> and uh, he and Gamora are like on again, off again. And there's that scene where, and then there's that other guy played by the big guy. (laughs) You remember Gamora out of all, out of Star-Lord, out of Drax, you remember Gamora. Yeah, there we go, Drax. What a fucking memory you have. This is what I fucking rely on you for, these names, Saker. (laughs) And you just let me, like, twist in the wind like a, like a. (laughs) fucking idiot see i thought this was a bit i thought that's what we were doing here (laughs) i'm trying to help you here i'm trying to save the day i'm trying to save the day i'm trying to give you a bag of jewels you're doing great and you are just spitting in my face saying all you want to do is take a rocket wheelchair i'm putting those diamonds in my mouth and spitting them back out at you you deserve them there's your star lord there's your drax there's your rocket raccoon (laughs) so yeah this is about the uh, um the sort of breakup that occurs halfway with with drax and star lord and gamora (laughs) and uh, rocket raccoon and whatnot where they're they're in the prison facility and they get out of the prison facility and they're all like kind of like cross armed. They've all have that, you know, like every movie you need to build tension. They have that litany of mistrust and distrust sure. and none of them are willing to say anything to make it well. And then there's that ridiculous scene where they like the ships, the spaceships like form like a human shield against the enemy. Oh, that's right. The Nova. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. That was very like, strange. Yeah, like I don't know, man. I just don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's there's some points I I don't remember hating that movie, but there was at that point where I was unable to suspend my disbelief for a space movie <laughs> about weird talking raccoons really? and giant groups. Oh, that's a shame. Groups. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. So so this is the scene where they're forming the human shield against the aliens. Why'd you? <laughs> this is the scene where they're all apart, and then they come back. They they're coming. Well, they're. This is the scene before any of that final that final like denouement happens that that like brings them all back together because they have to stop I don't know some villain who's made up uh-huh. um, like Galactus's like former lieutenant Joe Bob Briggs or something like that. <laughs> sure. Like here's a guy. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. He's super. He's super bad and he has a Buster Sword. Sure. That sounds. That sounds correct. Um. All right. We gotta stop him from doing all that bad stuff. <laughs> oh no. Hey guys, quit all the bad stuff you're doing. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Everything old is new again. Thanks, Wheel, for nothing. Yeah, fuck off, Wheel. Now's the time in the show when we answer an email from our friends, our fans, our saucy little splatoons. This is an email from our friend, Macaulay. Uh, Hi, Macaulay. They write, Were you looking at the Splatoon game when you said that? I was looking at my speaker, and I couldn't think of a word that started with S that wasn't speaker, and I was panicking in my head as I was coming to the end of that sentence. I would said saucy little sausages. That's not bad. I kind of like that better. Can we retake it? Yeah. Now's the time in the show when we take an email from our friends, our fans, our saucy little Splatoons. If you have an email that I panicked. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> if you have a if you have an email that you want to send to us, please send it to us. It's all been done. Podcast at gmail.com. Here's an email from our friend Macaulay. Ma- Hi, Macaulay says, Macaulay. Hey, Evan and Saker. Just listen to the fun and games app, and the idea of high art versus low art is still a rattling in my head. Here's my question. If you had to choose one BNL song to exemplify each elevation artistically speaking, what would they be? Which song is their highest art and which is the lowest of the low? Hope you and yours are staying safe and sane. Thanks again for the show. 
good damn what a question yeah. like so obviously the highest art would be little tiny song <laughs> i mean it's not an insane thought that the highest art might be because i feel like the highest art the highest art and this is a bizarre way of thinking the highest art is the art that i do not understand the most yeah so actually almost certainly the highest art we're talking same about thing. has got to be like spider in my room Oh sure yeah i was thinking same thing but maybe spider spider in my room i understand it's a biblical flood there's some shit going on but same thing right but i'm talking more like like it has to be something musical right because they're a music band yeah and i think that like jim is definitely the highest artist among them oh see you're viewing this from not a lyrical standpoint but a musical standpoint yes interesting yeah i think the highest art is if you set the words from same thing to the beat of spider in my room that is exactly what i was thinking (laughs) because it makes zero sense must have been the same thing (laughs) (laughs) holy shit yes uh so the highest art is it must have been the same thing (laughs) the highest art is a piece of art that they they haven't done it doesn't exist but it would be the highest the higher is is the mashup that needs to be made of same thing and oh my my god i wish that i I wish a a a, a non-vocal uh or i wish stems existed for either of those songs but that's i mean we're we're uh we're straw manning high art like high art just because something is higher doesn't mean it's not accessible um but at the same time we've got this popular conception that high art is high art is something to me the, the perfect thing of high art is something that's accessible to you know people who aren't necessarily in the know with regards to that particular art but also can be appreciated by people who are skilled in that particular art for its technical or you know aesthetic yeah. or anything merits yeah, yeah. so i think that that the perfect piece of high art and this is in high art and low art are as Macaulay said, are just sort of like social distinctions that we sort of plop onto something like genre uh, post post haste. And, um, you know, like, well, I I, I mean, people consider like Shakespeare high art, but at the same time, it's all fart jokes. Sure. And it's interesting because I think we view theater as high art, but we only view it as high art. I mean, you watch Hamilton and it's, it's like a hip opera, like, but it's only Mm -hmm. high art because rich people are the only people that can afford it. Right. So our conception of high art is definitely a classist conception, I think. Oh, a hundred percent. So let me, let me paint a picture for you and you're going to, I'm going to need an answer. Okay. So, uh, imagine if you will, uh, um, velvet covered chairs, lots of rows. They're very far, far, set far apart. Booths, Booths with Baroque uh, wooden adornments, okay. uh, gold leaf on the ceiling, uh, perfectly acoustically perfect. People file in, women in uh, slinky black dresses, men in tight-fitting uh, suits, ties, cravats, all manner of things. Their pinky, their gold pinky rings winking in the uh, half-light. Ooh. And then the lights go down, the curtains go up. You see none other than BNL Unplugged. <laughs> The whole band reunited for this one evening. Each of them is getting $10 million to do <laughs> sure. this. If, and only if, they entertain. The highest art, sure. The highest the highest art critics sure. in the world. I mean, so what... The sound comes up. What song do they play? Here's what song plays in my head. They don't need the whole band, because it's Stephen Page Solo's version of Running Out of Ink. The one where it has that Baroque <laughs> orchestra just, like, going ham in the background. 
Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I truly, again, it's the con- the conceptualization of high art and, and what distinguishes it from low art is so painted by this shit that doesn't matter. Like, stringed instruments, high art. Video game music, low art. And I think we well, talked about it on that episode. It depends. String instruments in the context of in- a string instrument played by somebody wearing a suit, high art. A string instrument played by somebody in like a straw hat in the back of a barn, sure. low, art. low art. Yeah. Like, you know, and they could be equally technically perfect songs yeah. and renditions. Like, I've heard bluegrass artists play things that I could not imagine, like a concert violinist playing. Sure, absolutely. Well, actually, probably that a concert violinist could play, sure. but at the same time, like, you know. Yeah. And I think that there's a there's a there's an underthinking of like high art as like complex, and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Either. Yeah. So, so I think Macaulay understood this when they asked the sure. question. Um. So, so how about this? Let's let's take it from a different uh, a different standpoint here. I think the highest. How about this? We take. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> um. We take it from the shittiest conception because I think we could stand here all day and debate like what is the most artistic BNL song. Yeah. But if we just say. It's spider in my room uh-huh. because it is incomprehensible in a lot of sure, ways. Sure. I, I was going to say that high art could be the oldest art, right? The most la- longevitous art. So in that way, I think the highest art Brennan Good Lady song could be uh, Oh Holy Hello, Night from the uh, <laughs> Brennan Good Lady's Christmas album. <laughs> right? I, I oh, mean... <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're just... Uh... Yeah, it's just a cover of... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like any... I like all those. Uh, so what... So what's their lowest art? What's their most appealing? Now that one song? is more interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're identifying lowest art as to the commonest denominator, right? Yeah, I would say I would say low art's a lot easier because it's just something that I mean it's got to be one week, right? It's got to be something that yeah but, appeals. Well, t- taking a step back, I don't think one week is truly. I think a lot of people out there are like I like every kind of music but country and rap because you know what I mean. So. I, yeah. What, so what what makes what makes something accessible references to things that you know a very simple sound could wind it up be the lowest art bare lady song <laughs> i mean it's it's like truly just like a straightforward fucking rock song about you know uh, uh, about two people fighting because i again relationships totally relatable i would say that's a very low art concept um or is it or- i would say i would say the lowest art bnl song is something that they uh produce uh in a con in the context of a concert uh-huh. where they are just making up the lyrics as they go along to appeal to the crowd in the concert specifically sure. and everyone is clapping and cheering and drunkenly yelling along i think that like and that's not it's not a it's not a um you have to be very talented to do sure. that again Absolutely. um so that also might be the most high art they produce yes. so just fyi to sum things up for macaulay the highest start is same thing set to spider in my room. The lowest art is Cleveland, Ohio rap two seventeen nineteen or whatever. <laughs> those, are the, those are the best possible answers for Macaulay's question. Great. Love it so much. Uh, okay. Hey, Macaulay, thanks for your question. Uh, again, everybody else write in. We love to hear from you. Ebo. Hello. That's it for us. What a joy it was. Um, we done another episode. Uh, angels, weep. angels weep whenever we or fallen whenever sheep. we peep. Uh, for I have many much a night to creep. <laughs> That's the famous Robert Frost poem. Did you the Emily Dickinson that's going around that her songs could be sung to the Pokemon theme or all of her poems? Yeah. But I saw a meme not too long ago that all of her poems could be done to the Gilligan's Island theme. 
Yeah, there's it's a uh, it's standard. I, I heard it, I heard it a different way maybe like ten years ago, and I don't remember um, what song they were using, but it's in stand. It's like a standard meter that's used for a lot of yeah, songs. Yeah, but what it really opened my eyes to is that you could sing the Pokemon theme to the Gilligan. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> to catch them all is my greatest. To train them is my cause. Um, hey, we got an email by the way from Charlie. Charlie, the email is called Pizza. Charlie says, from the sounds of your pizza talk, you need to try Detroit-style pizza, toppings all the way until the edge. Buddy, that's what I'm talking about. Crustless. I think I've tried Detroit-style pizza, and I think you have too. Where? When? Um, I think Goodfellas Pizza <gasps> in Athens produces Detroit-style pizza. It's so fucking good. Last time I was in Athens, we went for a hiking expedition there. We had just eaten, and I was so full, and I passed Goodfellas Pizza, and I was like... I have to get a slice. I, I ate until I was, like, I could see the cartoonish meter inside my throat reaching up to my, like, mouth of, like, I'm so full. But, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're right. We have had Detroit style. Charlie, fucking Detroit style pizza rules. Uh, th- thank yeah, you. It's thank great. you for the email. It's like a it's like a, a, a loaf of bread with <laughs> toppings on it. <laughs> yes. Like a flat loaf of bread. Yeah. Uh, and like the like Little Caesars deep dish yes. too is sort of like a Detroit That's style. That's true. Yeah, they have Detroit style because Little Caesars is from Detroit, right? I think so. Nah, couldn't tell you. Um, you can catch us on Twitter at Been Done Pod. Catch us on Facebook. It's all been done. American Ladies Podcast. You can check out our Discord. A lot of people talking, chatting, wishing each other a good day in that Discord. Um, and uh, <laughs> tipping their bowlers and riding their <laughs> velocipedes around. Good day, good day sir. I you. say good day. Good day. Um, that's about it. Ebbo, what you got to plug this week? I've got lots of plugs in my room for lots of bugs. Uh-huh. Everyone knows that I'm the best boy you, here. You were telling me before the show that you wanted to plug Guardians of the Galaxy 3. You were just really excited. James Gunn, you love him. Oh, God, yeah. I cannot wait to see the rules of women disappear to nothing <laughs> as James Gunn ex- fills, the, fills every line of, that would have been female dialogue with explosions. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Because why listen to a woman talk when you can hear something blowing up? <laughs> James Gunn. I think that they should flip-flop over Control of Guardians of the Galaxy franchise to Tim Gunn. I think that would be a blast. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. That's all I got. I'm plugging uh, regret. That's what I'm plugging this week. <laughs> all right. I'm Saker. I'm Evan. And we'll see you again in one, one week. Creek. <laughs> one Greek creek. <laughs>